You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me as always and on the go, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's it doing? How's the drive? <laughs> uh, not great right now because right now I'm in Indio and it's about 10 p.m. and I'm still about three hours away from Phoenix, I think. But uh, besides that, uh, everything is all right. Everything is peachy keen. I just want to highlight just how dedicated you are to not only providing great content for Sharks fans, but also doing this podcast with me. You know, Shang's on the road right now. He is currently driving to the rookie face-off in Arizona to provide great live content for you all. So quick shout out to you, Shang, for your hard work and dedication. So just want to give yeah, you Yeah, I appreciate quick... that. And yeah, uh, I do want to mention too that uh, that's uh, uh, part of the reason why I have a, uh, <laughs> a tip jar. And uh, if you want to look into that, guys, um, uh, to help me on my travels, uh, it would be much appreciated, uh, just like my travels to Arizona here. And you can find all that on SanJoseHockeyNow.com. It's on the sidebar there. Folks, we've got quite an exciting episode for you all today. Sharks defenseman and, I mean, just pure awesome dude, Mario Ferraro, hops on with us to talk about a plethora of things, including his YouTube channel, some funny shark stories, and essentially what he's going to be bringing to the Sharks next season to help elevate them back into the playoff conversation. And don't forget, too, uh, he also talks about uh, a little bit about uh, Vander Kane, too. Uh, we talked to uh, uh, Mario a little bit earlier today, and so uh, you'll get a little bit of his uh, reaction to everything going on uh, around Vander. Yeah, we uh, we put out a little PSA uh, that there wasn't going to be an episode on Thursday because we were actually getting the opportunity to interview Mario, and that was one of the things that we brought up, and he was cordial about it. So uh, big thanks to him for that. Um, before we get into that interview, though, we're going to give you our reaction to Evander Kane's interview with Linda Cohn of ESPN. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the rookie face-off that's going on in Arizona that Shang is traveling to right now. Uh, before we jump in, just wanted to remind you all that you can follow the podcast on Twitter at SJHockeyNowPod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. And you can follow myself at NickFloor underscore Shang. And you can find me at uh, Shang underscore Peng. And everything, of course, I write goes to San Jose Hockey Now. All right. And if you guys are enjoying what we've done so far, this is our fourth episode you know, of the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Feel free to leave us a review, rate and review if you use Apple Podcasts. Uh, it greatly, We would greatly appreciate it. And it goes to support us uh, and support Shang's travels. So, Shang, let's just hop right into this right now. Kane interview with Linda Cohn. Give me your reaction. Well, it was uh, much ballyhooed, uh, but <laughs> I, 
my my first thought is that I felt that ESPN went a little easy on Evander, especially considering ESPN's position. ESPN, in my mind, was helping Evander Kane by allowing him to clean up his rep on the biggest sports channel in the U.S. by far and on their flagship show. And by the way, that was a smart PR move by the Kane team. But ESPN, with the leverage that they had, I felt like they had the leverage in this case. Uh, and I wondered, and I know that we didn't see all of the interview, and I'm not uh, placing, I guess, uh, any specific blame on anybody because I don't know who came up with the questions and that sort of thing. So that's why I say ESPN in general. But I wondered, you know, where were the specific questions about being late to games and practices, uh, almost fighting Rocky Thompson, uh, have you, Evander Kane, been in touch with San Jose Sharks leadership like Logan Couture over the summer? Things like that. Uh, or even honing in more on the gambling. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about, or they talked a lot about, and I understand that that was sort of the, the big story. Did Evander Kane gamble on NHL games, uh, Sharks games? And right now, you know, it kind of appears like, well, that probably isn't true. But... His estranged wife also claimed that he's still gambling in general and that he also lied to a Sharks appointed therapist. And on the uh, on the Sports Center interview, Kane says he's not gambling anymore. And that might have actually been the only like really new thing that uh, we learned in this interview. But I think it's an important thing. And why it might matter is well the Sharks, uh, if there's any consideration to terminating Kane's contract you know there have to be there has to be some kind of grounds like that so anyway i you know understand espn's concern is national and nationally what people care about is whether or not evander kane gambled on nhl games nationally they don't care so much about the you know internal shark strife but still to me though it seemed like maybe they let him off the hook a little uh, especially considering that you know, they're ESPN. They're outside the lines. This isn't a situation where Evander Kane is doing you a favor by coming on your show. Again, you're ESPN. You're Sports Center. You're outside the lines. And so, yeah, um, I, I don't know. So overall, the, the, the taste I had, uh, Nick, was just that, like I said, uh, maybe they went a little easy on him. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, we talked about it, you know, off the record, and I, the first thing that I that the, came to my mind, the first kind of word that I told you was, it was very vanilla to me. Like I, I tuned in, I uh, was able to watch the video kind of intermittently, and then I was able to watch the rest of it on my lunch at work. And to me, it was just a uh, a little too vanilla for my liking. Mainly, maybe it's my bias as a Sharks fan. Maybe it's your bias as like a media member. Like we want to know information about the Sharks specifically. Like we, me personally, I had my doubts about Kane actually betting on his own games because that seems, now I know addiction is a disease, right? That's, it drives people to do things that they wouldn't think about doing in a regular state of mind. But gambling your entire career literally gambling away your entire career just seemed something a little too far-fetched for me. Yeah, no, I agree. And and so for me, like, I, I didn't really, it's going to sound kind of, I guess, numb in a sense. I didn't care about the betting allegations so much. I wanted to figure out, like you said, if there was any sustenance 
to him uh, having issues with locker room, the locker room discord that we talked about, and having issues with his teammates and teammates not wanting him back. And it, all in all, when he was asked that question, it was more of what he didn't say than what he actually said that mattered to me. You know, he could have gone out there and said, you know what, I'm committed to the Sharks. I'm committed to my teammates and I'm committed to uh, the Sharks organization, to, to Platner, to the city of San Jose. Like, yeah, he's not, he doesn't have to say it, but to me, like, that that matters. And the fact that he didn't say it, it's kind of just like this was a big PR move for him just to, like, clear up his name and make him look better. So, Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it, 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 it helps. Maybe it helps him nationally, but I don't know how much it helps him locally. Yeah. Um, I think another specific question that could have been asked, too, is, uh, I mean, again, it's sticking with the locker room stuff that maybe maybe ESPN doesn't care as much about. But, uh, you know, look, Evander, uh, you had uh, reported issues with teammates in Winnipeg. You had reported issues in Buffalo. Now you have reported issues in San Jose. Um, you know, can you say that all three times the media was lying about it? You know, I mean, yeah. not not phrase it that way. You know, it's a little too yeah. hardcore there. But you you know what I mean, though. You know, something more more direct. And yeah. um, I know that you know. Again, we didn't see all the interview. Uh, there were some uh, some some uh, quotes that were used by Greg Wyshynski in, in an article, uh, unaired portions in an article that he wrote on ESPN uh, off of the Kane interview. And so there might be stuff like that we didn't see. But based on what we saw on Sports Center, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure, it, it felt like there was definitely something more that could have been said, something more that could have been done. But anyway, on your point, uh, Nick, about you know what Evander uh, maybe should have said in, in your mind, um, you know, f for sure, uh, you know, Evander Kane could have taken a more contrite tack uh, to the Sharks in, in this public form. Uh, I don't know if there's any doubt about that, but. Ultimately, though, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if Kane owes anything in way of apology or whatever uh, to his teammates or organization, you know, through Linda Cohn, through SportsCenter, through ESPN. You know, that's an internal matter that has to be cleared up behind closed doors. You know, doing it publicly, you know, being contrite and public uh, yeah. is fine. Uh, but personally i'm not too concerned about that uh, so much like other people are uh, but that's just uh, that's just me yeah and like you said uh, greg D did have a a really nice article on espn.com where he talked a little bit about uh or he quoted a, a section of kane where he was talking about the buffalo uh, nightclub accusation where he had an altercation with the club's bouncer and he actually was able to put a quote up there i don't believe that one was in the video from what i saw um, but it transitions kind of into how Kane said that he understands why he's become a divisive figure, but he feels he's been judged unfairly. And it's like, you know, like you said, I mean, first time, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me type of thing. So I don't know. I feel like he was asked by Linda. I think I, don't, I can't phrase it verbatim. I don't remember the exact question. She essentially talked about during exit interviews, there were reports that his teammates wanted him out. And he essentially turns and says, well, I know with the media, I have to take everything with a grain of salt. So I don't know. I just feel like he really tried to downplay that section of it a little bit too much as if 
everything that comes out of the media, not just like with a grain of salt, but like if you watch the video as well, he's kind of got that smirk about him as well. So it's like, oh, no, this is just this is just them finding a way to get clicks for their sites. So, yeah, yeah, I think the the question was uh, roughly, you know, uh, why, why, why might your teammates think you're difficult to deal with? It was something uh, thereabouts. But, yeah, yeah, you know, on your point uh, on the media um, I guess the, the main thing I'll say, at least for, for myself, and I think his ire was probably a more at other reporters than myself, but, you know, I've also reported on, on what's been going on and, re- and reported what other people have, other reporters have reported too. Uh, I will say that I stand by everything that I've reported on my own about Kane. I don't personally know the specifics of the Discord like Frank Saravalli or Kevin Kurz reported. That's not what I heard specifically. But I have heard enough on my own or know enough on my own uh, or talked to enough people on my own to know that there were issues. And my fellow reporters are tapped in enough that I trust their more specific you know, reporting. And it doesn't mean that things are irreparable, as the Athletics said. And like I said in last week's pod, uh, I felt like the Sharks and Evander Kane were going to try to make it work for a myriad of reasons. You know, basically, they don't really have much of a choice. But all this, though, I think became a story for a good reason. And I don't think it's because Kane is black or reporters fabricated stuff. There was something wrong in a Sharks room last year, and Kane very much seemed like a big part of it. Yeah, I feel like um, we're still looking for the silver bullet. Who knows if we'll get the actual uh, breakdown until it's in like a 30 for 30 series, you know, significantly down the line. Um, you know, we, we actually had later on in this episode, we, we get to talk with Mario Ferraro a little about it, and we ask him straight up, if Evander Kane is welcome back in the Sharks locker room. And, and he gives us his answer, and you guys will hear that later on in the episode. So I, we've talked about it before. And, yeah, I just I just feel like it's there's no way it can be irreparable because the Sharks don't have a choice. So you, you find a way to make it work. And in the old-fashioned saying, like, with Evander Kane and the Sharks' marriage, it's cheaper to keep her at this point. <laughs> We're going to get into... Uh, the good stuff now, the more positive stuff. You know, it's a, we already hit our low in this episode. We're just going up now. So the rookie face-off in Arizona is happening this weekend. Actually, this episode is going to come out on Friday morning. So those listening to you uh, that day, Sharks games will be played, um, I believe it was Friday. I don't know the exact schedule. I should have it in front of me. I believe it's so 5 p.m. There you go. Shang knows. He's the man. Um Shang, let's uh, let's talk about these rookie games. I, I want to know. We're going to go a little bit back and forth. We've gathered a little list of things that we want, uh, not only Sharks fans in general, but specifically San Jose Hockey Now podcast listeners to look at. Um, I focus on individual players. You actually focus on a couple of matchups. So I'm going to let you kick off your first matchup that you want the Sharks fans to listen to, or sorry, not listen to, but uh, focus on during these games. Sure. Yeah, what I was looking at more is some of the positional battles that sort of caught my eye. Um, Basically, two Sharks kind of competing against each other for possible spots uh, on the NHL team uh, this coming year. And the one that stands out, maybe the closest to NHL battle that we're going to be talking about is Jasper Weatherby versus Scott Reedy. 
And apparently in San Jose, it's a more open competition for fourth line center than we thought. You know, Dylan Gambrell, uh, despite his million dollar contract, is not as safe as I think we might have thought about a month or two ago. And right now, besides the incumbent Gambrell, of course, you know, Weatherby, Reedy, and don't forget Lane Peterson. They traded a fourth round pick for him. Uh, They're going to be in the thick of it uh, in camp for that job. And at the rookie tourney here, we're not going to see Peterson. He's a little bit old for that. But we're going to see Weatherby and Reedy. And lo and behold, they're centering the top two San Jose lines here. Uh, The top line of William Eklund, Jasper Weatherby, uh, Ozzy Weisblatt, and the second line, uh, Daniil Gushin, Scott Reedy, and Adam Raska. And you can say, oh, wow, well, Weatherby must be ahead because he's on the first line. But that can change really, really quick, uh, quickly, though. Remember, uh, Reedy is the one with a uh, good pro experience, and Reedy was quite good in last year's uh, playoff. Um, and also, to, I'll add this note, too, uh, before we uh, actually get into the games and watch and see who emerges. Everybody assumes that Jasper Weatherby is a great face-off man because of his college numbers. And indeed, uh, at uh, UND uh, last year, he won 57% of his face-offs. But the translation from college to pro is tough. And just ask, right next to him, Scott Reedy. Uh, Scott Reedy won about 54% of his face-offs at Minnesota last year. Uh, But then when he got to the Barracuda, uh, those numbers were much lower. And you may ask, well, how do you have face-off numbers from the AHL? Because if you go to AHL.com, you don't uh, have them. And that's a little teaser. I got some numbers from uh, SportLogic on that, uh, Barracuda face-off numbers. And I'm going to write on that probably next week. But again, though, you know, Reedy went from 54% in NCAA to much lower in the AHL. And so don't automatically assume that Jasper Weatherby is going to come in and be a great face-off man right off the bat. You know, it's a, a large learning curve. You know, Shang, I'm happy that you said that as far as why you can't find face-off numbers from the AHL because I was muted and typing his face-off numbers so I could try to find his <laughs> face-off numbers and I couldn't find them. So everyone look out for that article uh, next week so that way you can actually see how much lower his face-off numbers were. Uh, moving on to my first guy, I wanted to highlight a player, and I'm a little thematic with my three players that I've selected. I'm a bit of an underdogs guy. Uh, first player for me, I want Sharks fans and San Jose Hockey Now podcast listeners to pay attention to is Tristan Robbins. The main reason why I was I was kind of going through, and I'm seeing everyone's talking about William Eklund, and we've talked about William Eklund. Everyone's going to watch William Eklund. Like, that's not someone that you can highlight to watch. Like, he's front and center. He's the seventh overall pick. But Tristan Robbins wasn't able to make the prospect scrimmage just recently, the one that we attended, the one that we watched, where we saw the amazing Gushin goal. And that's huge because I'm assuming Tristan's going to put a little bit more stock into this rookie faceoff than maybe some other people will. Or else, you know, at least I would if I was in that situation. If I missed on something due to like something like a visa issue or, or whatever it may have been, I want to put a little bit more effort into the next opportunity that's given to me, especially given the Sharks' current situation with their, you know, their their current lineup and how it's kind of an open rotation on that bottom six. Uh, you know, this year he was given a little bit more responsibility in the dub. Uh, he was given the A, which is huge uh, f- 
for, I believe, a second-year player. I'd have to double-check that. Uh, but he also posted an impressive 23 points in the 16 games. Like It was a shortened season in the WHL, as everyone knows, because of the fact that you know it was a COVID-ridden season. And Tristan Robbins is kind of being... I don't want to see. I don't want to say slept on, but if you think of the big draft year for the Sharks in 2020, they had those those three picks and Ozzy Weisblatt, Thomas Bortolo, and Tristan Robbins. The first name that pops out to most people is going to be Thomas Bortolo because of how well he has played uh, and kind of developed over in Michigan. So Tristan Robbins is no slouch. I, I fully expect him to come in here and. You know, he could possibly be moved up or line blended into that first or second line with Weatherby Reedy, with Eklund and Weisblatt, Raska and Gushin. And I feel like he's going to get equal opportunity as anybody else out there to show off his stuff and prove that he's ready to take the next step. That's a good uh, good choice. Um, and so my next kind of a matchup that I'm looking at also includes a guy that uh, wasn't able to uh, make it to the development camp uh, prospect scrimmage. And that's a Santeri Hataka. And Santeri Hataka uh, versus uh, uh, Artemi Kinazev. And the reason why I have these two guys kind of uh, matched up against each other kind of is... There is a clear spot open right now on the Sharks for their seventh defenseman. And Brinson Pajnuk is my bet right now. He seems like the most uh, likely, the best combination of uh, young and also uh, more professional, more NHL uh, ready, you know. But also has, uh, like I said, he's younger, he's got a little bit of that upside. The Sharks could also bring in a PTO. That wouldn't uh, surprise me. And I'm checking up uh, a, a checking up on that, but a veteran PTO, it uh, wouldn't surprise me if they brought somebody in uh, on defense for that. But regardless, though, right now, though, there is a spot open there. You know, Brinson Pajnuk, Ryan Merkley, uh, whoever is there, Jake, Jake Middleton, Jacob Megna, uh, Nicholas Malash. Nobody has done enough. There's nobody's resume is strong enough where you just kind of pencil them in to 7D. Mm-hmm. So could, you know, one of uh, Kanayazev or Hataka merge? I think that's possible. You know, wouldn't call it likely, but I think it's very possible. Um, and I put them together, too, because they're on the same development curve. They're drafted in the same year. They're both coming into their first AHL year. And while uh, they are and while they are a contrast in styles, you know, I, I think that it's fair to kind of see them competing uh, against each other for a uh, job, if not this year, uh, in the future. But, you know, speaking of their style, it might depend on what the coaches want. You know, you get a little more offense in Kanazev. You get a lot more defense in Hataka. So either way, you know, they they may be a year away still from really contributing to the Sharks. You know, you definitely don't want to put too much pressure on a 20-year-old uh, or on 20-year-old defensemen. But the opportunity is definitely there for them right now. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy you brought up that little positional battle there because my second guy, and I said I was sticking to a theme here, and my theme was guys who kind of have something to prove guys who may have missed out on a on opportunity due to no fault of their own uh, or being overshadowed due to no fault of their own and might have a little bit something to prove. And my guy, my second guy to watch, is Santeri Hataka, another guy who couldn't make it to the prospect scrimmage like you had said. And 
you want to talk about a guy where every time you talk to, let's say, Tim Burke or Doug Wilson Jr., because we spoke to him about, you know, possible Sharks prospects that could surprise us. And what's the first name that he brings up? Santeri Hataka. Yep. He is, as you said, a defensively minded player that could surprise pretty much anyone and make the Sharks roster as that seventh defenseman. Let's take a look back at Nikolai Kanizhov. You know, he came into it as a as a tryout, essentially, like a walk-on, you know, for something for people to relate to. And he's finding himself top four defenseman for the Sharks right now. You know, maybe not a top four defenseman across the league, you know, league wide, but he's on the NHL roster. Do I expect Hataka to come in and be a top four defenseman? No. But he he's someone who's going to come in and provide a very stable defensive mentality, something the Sharks haven't really found consistently with a couple of their young guys. You know, they are loaded top to bottom with offensive driving defensemen. Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, Ryan Merkley. You also have Knyazev coming up. You have plenty of offense driving defensemen. You need someone who can anchor it down back there. You need a Justin Braun. You need a Mark Edward Vlasic. Well, prime Mark Edward Vlasic, not last year Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, you need those guys. And that's where Santeri Hataka can easily come in and surprise a lot of Sharks fans. So if you see him on the ice, I don't know exactly what number he will be wearing. Uh, it may be number eight. I know he wore that over in the Liga. Um, but you, if you see him... On the ice, just kind of pay attention to him. See how he's playing defensively and see what assignments he's being given. You know, if he's out on the ice, when Eklund's out on the ice, if they're on opposite teams, or sorry, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a prospect scrimmage. If he's out on the ice when the opposing first line is out on the ice, take note of that and, and see where the Sharks go from there. So that's my second guy for Sharks fans to watch this coming weekend. Yeah, let me uh, add on to that. Um, well, first of all, Hataka will be wearing a number 61. Um, and uh, Kanaizev will be wearing number 25, as he did in uh, the development camp. But uh, what I want to add on, on top of that, too, is I forgot, actually. Uh, I was there at the practice uh, yesterday. Wait, Shane, and... really quick. Can I interrupt you? Yes. You know yes. who the last Sharks player was to wear number 61? Justin Braun. Uh, Justin Braun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I think I don't know. Sixty-one is sort of that, that number they give you in uh, in rookie camps. I don't know if you'll keep that one. That doesn't seem like a. I, I joked that uh, Weatherby graduated from fifty-two, which was his depth camp number, to twenty-six uh, rookie roster number. Because you know that twenty-six is a real hockey number. So, yeah. uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Hitaka will keep it. A lot of guys do end up keeping their uh, their rookie numbers just just cause you know so but anyway uh, uh, one thing I, I saw and so this 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 is gonna be important too uh, the pairings actually defensive pairings uh, they had they had Hataka actually with Ryan Merkley and they had uh, Kanayazev uh, with uh, Gannon Larock. Mm. And so, of course, you know, these uh, these are the four defensemen on the rookie roster that were actually drafted by the Sharks. Everybody else on a rookie roster is here on a tryout or they're signed to the Barracuda um, or, you know, something like that. So, of course, it makes sense that the Sharks would pair uh, their their. Uh, 
their draft guys together. And of course, two are lefties, two are righties. Hataka and Kanaizev are lefties. LaRock and Merkley are righties. Uh, but anyway, that's just something to watch, though, how uh, Santeri Hataka kind of plays that maybe that uh, defensive, uh, that maybe Brendan Dillon role or something like that. Maybe less physical, but that Brendan Dillon role with an yeah. Eric Carlson type like Ryan Merkley. So anyway, that'll be something uh, to watch uh, that anyway, uh, uh, we I was clued in on yesterday uh, watching the practice. Um, but my, my last uh, positional kind of matchup, and actually sticks with your theme, uh, Nick, of guys that have a lot to prove. And it's in goal, and it's uh, Zachary Amon uh, versus uh, Ben Gaudreau. And Amon is obviously the one that has a lot to prove here. Uh, Amon, of course, is three years older than uh, Gaudreau. Uh, Amon is 21. Uh, Gaudreau mm-hmm. just got drafted 18. Amon had a really, really tough year last year. You know, uh, I, I think he had a save percentage under 90, and he was in two two cities last year. Um, really tough year last year. And he is definitely at risk of falling behind, not just Melnichuk. He's already behind, I think, Melnichuk on a depth chart for sure uh, yeah. because Amon could have played in NHL last year. He did not. Uh, Melnichuk and Cor- uh, uh, Kojanash uh, got got uh, you know more shine than Amon, but uh, he's at risk of falling behind not just Melnichuk but also Goodrow and maybe even uh, Magnus Krona. Don't forget uh, the Sharks also have Magnus Krona who isn't here because uh, he's at a uh, university. Uh, but right now though, you know because uh, Goodrow is going to return to Sarnia after training camp. And, you know, Krona is in Denver right now. You know, it's really a huge year for Amon uh, to go to the Barracuda and justify to the Sharks why the organization needs to keep him. Huge opportunity. And mm-hmm. Melanchuk uh, and uh, Zachary Sachenko are with the Cuda too. So it could be uh, tough going for Amon to leapfrog them because these guys are, are more experienced and have played at a higher level. Uh, so it could also make sense for Amon to go to the ECHL as long as he's getting number one starter minutes there. But the point is, though, that this is, I think, a very huge year for him to kind of prove, justify uh, his ELC. And he does have another year past this year on his ELC, so it's not a make it or break a year in that sense. But I think it is kind of a make it or break a year. And just uh, in terms of showing the Sharks uh, that he's ready for a higher level, because I don't know if he did that last year, um, but he's going to have a shot this year. And anyway, I'm rooting for him because he's a nice kid. I interviewed him last year at San Jose Hockey Now, last summer in the middle of the pandemic. And of course, I don't know if you've seen his mask. He has the Brian Hayward tribute mask. I haven't asked him about it yet, but it's the best thing ever. And just for that reason and that reason alone, I want him to be the Sharks starting goaltender for the next decade. Oh, you're showing a little bias there. <laughs> yeah, I am. a little bias I am. there, Shane. <laughs> I am. One of my favorite hockey cards ever is uh, there's an old uh, hockey card set, Pinnacle, and they came out with the Brian Hayward mask card, just the mask of the shark, you know, the the, the chomping shark. And that's all that's on the card. And there's literally millions co- millions of copies of that card out there. It's very, you know, overproduced, but it's a beautiful card. And I've loved that mask since I saw that mask when I was a kid. And so I'm rooting for him uh, just uh, on that uh, just on that score. 
So but it's going safe back to, to say if he changes that mask, you're not rooting for him anymore. <laughs> yes, he's dead to me at that point. Oh, okay, okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> you can't come up with something that cool and change it, all right? I mean, it's like Jerry Cheever's changing from the stitches in the, in the middle, or I don't know what other uh, uh, great mask, you know, Patrick Laleem going going away from the Martian Manhunter, <laughs> or okay, or whatnot okay. down the line. Okay, I, I I'm very committed to this. All right, very committed <laughs> to this. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, uh, going back to uh, Gaudreau, though, uh, Gaudreau is coming in hot uh, right now, though. A uh, trusted source told me of the Sharks' dev camp game. And remember, in the Sharks' dev camp game, uh, game uh, Melnichuk played, uh, Krona played, uh, Sachenko played, uh, Iman played. And he told me, and quote, uh, Ben Gaudreau was clearly the best goalie in this game and looks like an important pick for the Sharks. He's got NHL starting size, structure, and hockey sense. And so, yeah, keep in mind, just one game, one game, but I don't think it surprised anyone if Gaudreau is the one that outshines everybody, all the goalies I mentioned here in the end. So it's going to be a tall order, basically, for, for Amon to prove himself, but, you know, kind of starts starts here, though. Yeah, I mean, they, they invested that draft capital for Ben Gaudreau. You know, he was the third best Yep. Uh, goaltender prospect in this this year's draft and the Sharks drafted him. You know, they used good draft capital to to pick him up. So, you know, he's obviously going to profile a little bit better than, uh, you know, Amon will. But we'll see who can actually win that battle. Uh, the battle of the masks is what we'll call it due to uh, Shang's uh, <laughs> fandom over there. Um, my final player to watch isn't anyone off the radar, I would say, but it's someone that I feel like is being overshadowed by some bigger names of late. And maybe they're just not putting enough respect on his name. And that's good friend of Mario Ferraro, by the way, Ozzy Weisblatt. That's right. A first round pick is being overshadowed by, you know, some, some bigger names as of late, William Macklin. And I'm not taking anything away from anyone right now. I'm not saying that, the Sharks fans are only using their recency bias of their love of Eklund or Bortolo is progressing better than Ozzy Weisblatt is. You know, Ozzy was a first round pick and he's going through a completely different route to the NHL than, than Bortolo is. So take what I'm saying here and don't try to twist it in any sort of certain way. Um, but I do feel like Ozzy has kind of been, I don't want to say swept under the rug, but he's been brushed a little to the side as far as, uh, you know, coverage goes and for me i feel like ozzy still has that sort of mentality that he showed in his pre-draft year that pain in the ass to play against that he's just a thorn in your side that is ozzy weisblatt's game he's got a in my opinion and from what we've seen in reports he's got a pro mindset he stayed in san jose i talked about this after the uh the prospect scrimmage he was one of the few guys that had the ability to stay in San Jose and train with guys. I believe he trained with Joe Thornton as well. So he's surrounding himself with NHL players. He's conditioning with NHL players. He's eating with NHL players. He actually had a date night with Mario Ferraro. We talk about that a little bit with Mario. He loved bringing that up. Um, you know, Ozzy, you know, maybe it's because he's making the girls jealous because he gets date night with Mario and they don't. That might be it. But um, <laughs> I, I do feel like Ozzy Weisblatt is going to surprise everyone. He's going to come in. He's going to do what he has always done and just perform 
and perform at, at a higher level. And I look forward to him taking that next step. And it's obvious to me that the Sharks feel the same way as well. Like you had said previously, he's going to be on that quote-unquote first line that's being centered by uh, Weatherby, and he's going to have Eklund on one side, and he's going to be on the other. So uh, they played against each other in a prospect scrimmage. Now they're going to be on the same team. Just imagine a, a line of... Thomas Bortolo, Ozzy Weisblatt, and William Macklin in the future. All three of these guys are going to become, in my opinion, very good NHLers, at least second-line players. But I feel like Ozzy Weisblatt is going to be one of, if not the best forward in this rookie face-off tournament. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves there, Nick, with your uh, wet dream line and declaring... Uh, Eklund, Ozzy, and Bordalo all top sixers. <laughs> well, remember, I'm a fan. We'll okay? see. I'm going to put on my teal-colored glasses when I'm talking about our young stars, okay? You can take all right, your well, own bias. And I'll keep my I'm going to say, yeah, the odds usually are like, you know, maybe one of three guys hits. You know, if you're, you're, you're ecstatic if two of these three guys hit. But anyway, though, you know what, though? I'm going to add some fuel to the fire for you, Nick. Uh, trusted source, like to once again, uh, told, told me of uh, Ozzy at the Dev Camp scrimmage said that Ozzy Weisblatt was the best forward in that game. Has a lot of carry and create in his game, and that gives him a chance to be an offensive driver in NHL. I don't know if Ozzy's ever going to be like a 30-goal guy or whatever, but if he's, he becomes a 20-goal guy, but with also his energy and a good two-way game, that's a very, 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 very useful player and an excellent pick. And so we will see. We will see, but uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> we will temper expectations, Shang, but I will say that I... I do believe you he need brings. To. <laughs> yes, yes, I, w- I I need to. I probably won't. I'm just giving you the disclaimer. I'm not tempering expectations at all. But um, it'll be great to see how all of these guys play. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it from a fan's perspective, from a podcaster's perspective. I'm finally excited to talk about something that isn't a Vander Kane. Uh, and from a fan, I'm excited to have um, hockey just back in general, even if it is the young kids. And can I just say about tempering expectations, um, I posted a story yesterday uh, on Channel Z Hockey Now about William Eklund. And uh, Roy Sommer had, I, I thought, a fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic uh, appraisal of Eklund. And he said that William Eklund has Logan-like instincts. And I, I joked on my Twitter that uh, Sommer <laughs> was talking about Couture and not Wolverine. But I, either way, though, both are excellent comps. You know, you want to be either <laughs> in their field, Logan Couture or, uh, or Wolverine. Uh, but someone uh, replied on Twitter uh, that Logan is the sort of the, the, the lowest of, of expectations uh, uh, or, or uh, yeah, basically, Logan is 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 the is the low of what he's expecting from William Eklund, and I gotta say, hold on, hold on. Logan Couture is an excellent, uh, you know, maybe not like Olympic class, but definitely right on the cusp there. So borderline world class, and that's Team Canada world class, by the way, not uh, Team USA. <laughs> no, no offense to Team USA or you know Team Belarus world class, but you know Canada world class player, uh, number one center, uh, kind of a, a guaranteed uh, at least before the last couple of seasons, but in his prime, guaranteed you know twenty five, thirty five goal, uh, uh, thirty five assist guy, and so. If Eklund becomes Couture, the Sharks are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. Um, 
you know, Eklund's going to be a little different than Couture. You know, Couture's uh, probably always going to have a little more of a two-way, you know, two-way game. You know, Couture's probably going to end up being stronger. Um, and so maybe Eklund, you know, Eklund, uh, Eklund might be like a 30-30 guy maybe. And, you know, a little more offense, a little less defense than a, than a Couture. Um, mm. But... Still, though, if 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 Eklund becomes that, then you're thrilled with that. And I would say too that that is a tough expectations to put on an 18 year old kid. That Logan being Logan Couture is not good enough. I mean, look, I I get it. If you drafted Connor McDavid with a number one pick and you have all this hype. I mean, Eklund dropped. Let's be honest. I mean, he 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 is a top three talent in a lot of ways. But there's also a reason why he dropped too, though. You know, he's not a, a clear-cut number one pick guy. And so, you know, I think we got to – and I'm just taking off one one tweet, and I'm subtweeting this guy a little bit. I apologize for that. I usually don't like to do that. You can respond to us here, and you can, you know, skewer me a new one if, if you're <laughs> listening. Uh, but I would just say to slow down on the expectations of, on, on, on this kid. And if he is if, – if he becomes low – if he becomes the low – Oh, your expectations and uh, your expectations, and that's Logan Couture. I think the Sharks would be thrilled with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because hockey prospecting, you know, Byron Bader has him comped to who else but Logan Couture. So, oh, really? <laughs> both drafted around that. the same, uh, <laughs> you know, time. Number nine overall for Logan, number seven overall, and yeah, that doesn't really equate to anything. But right, you know, it's. It's just kind of how it is. And remember, Logan still took time to condition in for the 67s right. over in Worcester and then coming to right. the Sharks. Played a little bit then, for the CUDA, too. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, the, 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 the Worcester Cuda. Sharks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah the, the Worcester Sharks. And then coming into his own in San Jose and still taking time to mature into the player that he's become uh, as, of, as of late. So, yeah, I, I, if we get Logan Couture out of William Eklund, I'll be more than thrilled because that, at that point you just you drafted to replace and it worked. So it, I'd love to have another Logan Couture on this team as far as the hockey player. So I think that pretty much wraps things up for our little pre-coverage of the rookie face-off, as I believe was what they're calling it. Um, and you know what? We're... Uh, we're on our way. We're marching right along into this Mario Ferraro interview. But, you know, before we get into our interview with Mario, I do want to thank this week's sponsor, DraftKings. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. You know, if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. So that does apply here in California. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And without further ado, our interview with Mario Ferraro. 
We've got a very special guest joining us today on the show. He's found a way to tame the Wookiee on the blue line and also charm his way into the hearts of Sharks fans worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring to you Mario Ferraro. Mario, how you doing today, man? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining okay. us. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down with us. But uh, I know Shang wants to start this off pretty spicy, so I'm going to let you uh, take over, <laughs> Shang. Yep. So, Mario, uh, le- at the end of last season, you apologized to the media at the end of the year uh, for being you know, short with us at times last year, which is amazing for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, Oh, you weren't bad at all to us last year. You're always polite. And, you know, we in the media, we understand that you're going to take a, lo- a loss a lot harder than we will. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll also be the first to admit that we sometimes ask dumbass or annoying questions. You know, let's be honest. <laughs> and second, uh, it's only the second time that uh, a player has ever apologized to me for something like that. And coincidence or not, it was also a defenseman known for his, you know, effervescent personality, Nate Schmidt, when he was with the Golden Knights. So anyway, I, I have to ask, even though you totally didn't have to, you know, why did you apologize? It was appreciated, you know, regardless. <laughs> Well, I just, uh, you know, I, I know that times can get tough during the season um, uh, from our end, you know, when you're in the, the middle of, of the season and going through the ups and downs and it can get a little bit of emotional. And I know you guys are working hard and taking the time and, and doing your jobs. And, um, you know, I just I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm giving you my best uh, every time I'm in front of the camera and answering questions, because I know that's not only important for the organization, important for myself and, and how I carry myself, but it's also important for you guys and you guys should, you know, get the dis- the respect that, that you deserve. So I just want to make sure that you're aware that if I am ever, you know, a little bit short and um, <clears throat> with my answers, it's, it's nothing <laughs> personal. It's just the, the, the road of the game, the road of the season. Sometimes uh, through the ups and downs, we take interviews really quickly after games. It can get, uh, get a little bit emotional. So, um, that's just the, the reason why I said it. Um, we all deserve the, the, the respect and especially you guys with the, with the work that you put in. So, um, I just want to, to make sure of that, that you guys were aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, a, a, like I said, it was appreciated. And now is your chance to throw us under the bus a little bit here. What's the worst question that you've ever received from the media? And you can say it was from me. I think last year I asked you, uh, whether or not you were going to play in the World Championships after a loss last year. I'm not sure that was your favorite question after you guys lost. And in my <laughs> defense, you know, I think you guys were like 10 points out of the playoffs, and I figured that you wouldn't want another question about matching up against Nathan McKinnon. That was what I was thinking. But anyway, what's the worst question you've have you ever received? That's a hard one for me to answer, to be honest, because I've only been here in the league for a couple years now. So I don't know if they're – I don't know. I feel like there's really, there's no dumb questions. It's just the mood that they, <laughs> that I'm in when receiving them. So uh, I don't think your question was dumb. I was just a little frustrated maybe from the loss, of course, but uh, I don't know. That That's hard for me to answer. I don't think I can answer that right now. <laughs> maybe, okay. Maybe, I'll ask you in, after, in a decade or so. Maybe after this year. Yeah. Just make sure you ask uh, some, some good questions. <laughs> Otherwise after this year, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and last kind of thought on this, and I think you're the right person to ask about this because you're you've obviously considered our side, and also too you have your own media interest as well with your YouTube channel. You know what can the media do better, in your opinion? Um, I don't know. That's 
I feel like the media in San Jose, is, it's great. Um, you know, when I compare it to um, other cities, uh, I think that, you know, we are given our space quite a bit and um, we're given our the, the space that we, we need outside the rink to, you know, live our lives and, and uh, you know, take that time away from the rink and be able to, to forget about hockey a little bit. Um, so that when we come back, you know, we're energetic and, and pumped up and excited. So, um, honestly, I, YouTube and the media is a totally different thing. So I don't really know. I can't really give that advice to you guys. You guys are the <clears throat> no more, obviously, than I do. Um, I'm just the player. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's great. So um, no complaints there. The media in San Jose is great. You've bought yourself five years of uh, good stories there, Mario. Thank you so much. <laughs> He's going to cash in on that one easily. So uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned your YouTube channel a little bit. You know, it's called The Youngest of Plugs, correct? Yes, that's it. So obviously you get that name from being the youngest in your family. You have three older sisters. And, you know, you've mentioned before on a, on a podcast that you actually call your sisters the plugs <laughs> yeah it's a little joke like when i was younger i started like obviously plugs is like a hockey term too uh when i was younger starting to you know be more involved in hockey obviously and then it just kind of came to mind something random i figured you need a unique name to kind of grasp attention of the audience so i think that that's unique enough i guess <laughs> yeah no that's fair that's fair so you know <laughs> You're in a market where it's not a huge hockey market. It's Northern California. You know that you can't find a sheet of ice that isn't man-made anywhere, essentially, because the weather's so nice. Tell the mm -hmm. folks that don't know what a plug is exactly what that means. <laughs> like someone, someone who steps on the ice, I guess, and uh, <laughs> does it. It's pretty brutal, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> falling around. I guess you could say a plug would be like, I'd be a plug if I were to grab a basketball and start shooting hoops right now because I don't look too good on the court. So um, <laughs> if I were to start playing basketball, I'd look like one of those guys, basically. That's that's the scenario. I'm not too good at basketball, so I'd be struggling. But it's not about how good you are. It's about how much fun you have. That's a good thing. So it's just a funny term that we make fun of guys for, but it's all fun and games. That's good. So did they ever get offended when you called them plugs? Or did they just jab <laughs> you right back in typical nah, Italian maybe, maybe family? Maybe a couple – Maybe a couple hard hard jabs back, but that's it. <laughs> there you go. You're just you're just helping them out with their chirp game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, you know, your YouTube channel is a ton of fun. I've watched it. Uh, you know, it's it's grown quite a bit since you've kind of broke onto the scene for the Sharks. It's full of Q and A's, uh, tech reviews, which you know I'm a big tech guy, so I love watching all of the tech reviews, uh, workout tips, hiking videos. You got stories about Jumbo and Burnsy in there. You know, it's such an interesting time from what I've seen with athletes in social media and there's the bad, like when an athlete says something kind of stupid on Twitter and then it gets blasted all over the world and people screenshot tweets and it's, you know, it's kind of like a hard line to kind of toe there. There's also good, like when fans get to know their favorite players, such as yourself, you know, you're easily a fan favorite from what I've seen so far. And I remember about five years ago, one of the first athletes to become a star mainly for their social media was Paul Bissonnette. You know, he was in the Kings org at the time. They kind of told him to chill out with the social media a little. They're more old school over there in L.A., you know, so they had that bit of a reputation with them. So I was wondering what kind of guidance that you may have received from the Sharks or your coaches or maybe even vets like Jumbo 
on how to approach conducting your social media presence and you know how active to be in the season you know that that sort of stuff did you get any guidance or tips um to be honest uh not much from from the team and, and other players um i think the reason for that is because as much as i do like to make uh youtube videos and um to, i don't really think I'm, I'm that lively on instagram i think it's more just the youtube channel specifically um, I try to keep it away from from the hockey as much as I can. Um, I don't know if you've seen much of my videos, but I don't do really any filming or much filming at all with with uh, the hockey guys unless it's like outside of point. the rinks. Yeah. Um, it's usually like with my roommate John, whether it's at the apartments to roommates here, and it's usually outside the rink. So I keep it separate from business. Um, when we're at the rink, I don't like to film and do that kind of stuff because we're there to play hockey and we're there to you know, win games and, and obviously have goals of making the playoffs and winning a championship. So um, I keep that separate. Uh, so those are the fine lines. But you are right. You have to be careful on, on the social media and, and what you say and what you put out there. So I, I've i grown to be pretty aware of that over the years and making sure that you know, I'm careful with, with the things that I say online and stuff like that because it is important and we are athletes and we are looked up to by a lot of people. And, um, you know, not that I, I, I'm – really worried about that because the content that i do put out there is just for you know the fans to enjoy because i you know i want to give back to them for all the support that they show us but um yeah it's just things that go through my mind that i'm definitely aware of and i'm sure it kind of helps that you grew up you know you're only 22 uh right now um you grew up in that that era of technology and you you understand you've seen it firsthand and, and how important it is to kind of understand what you're putting out there um so you know maybe in a like you said, in about five or 10 years, you can be the guy that kind of sets the standards for the young kids that are on social media. You know, recent draft pick Ethan Cardwell actually has a podcast. So maybe you can hit him up and give him some pointers on uh, making sure he understands what he can and can't do or say. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's actually reached out to me, too. So, um, you know, maybe we'll get a little collab there. Who knows? Maybe a little sneak peek. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, before we get into uh, into some of the shark stuff, uh, we have a couple of uh, kind of a uh, uh, non sharks questions, and uh, one is uh, we have uh, one a pre sharks question. Uh, Doug Wilson Jr. said your agent told him that he didn't expect you to get drafted so high. Uh, so were you surprised that you went in the second round? Yeah, I was. Uh, I think we were all uh, pretty surprised. Me, my family, um, my family included. Um, yeah, we uh, based on you know the rankings and um, the status before the draft and just going to the NHL Combine. There, it was definitely a shock, um, but I was super super stoked. Obviously, uh, to be to hear my name called, especially by the Sharks, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a super, super cool experience, uh, something that I never forget. Uh, you know, that's where it, you know, it really all started with the Sharks. So, um, really cool moment that we were definitely all surprised about, but, but super thankful. Did you think you were going more like third, fourth round or something like that? Yeah, honestly, I was just hoping I was going to get picked because <laughs> I was there. That was the one thing, you know, <laughs> I was at the draft. I didn't want to be there walking out of there without a you know, without a jersey. So I was just super happy to be there and to, to be selected. Um, and the uh, bonus it was to be, be by the Sharks for sure. So it's pretty safe to say that you had no, you have no animosity towards your agent saying that uh, <laughs> he didn't expect <laughs> you to go so high. 
no, no, not at all. We we were all on the same page. We knew it's not about how high you know you get drafted. Um, you know, even if you don't get drafted at all, there's there's still that opportunity, and that that was our mindset as a you know me and my family, my agent. So um, it's just being drafted is obviously something you're you're super thankful for and and fortunate for the opportunity. Um, but even if it didn't happen weren't going to stop there but uh obviously the the earlier is 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 nicer and and it was super cool to be uh to be selected earlier than we thought so yeah you were just too busy popping bottles and having fun with the family to care about where you went in the draft as long as you went (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) and i also want to ask you about uh, your world championships experience and congrats on winning the gold there and you've now played for both the Peter DeBoer and Gerard Gallant. And Gallant famously called DeBoer a clown in the 2019 playoffs. Then DeBoer replaced him in Vegas. So confirm or deny are either clowns. I'm, I'm just kidding. That's not the question. <laughs> uh, just uh, what's the biggest difference between Pete and Gerard? Uh, yeah, thank you for, for the congratulatory uh, message there. Um, biggest difference? Um uh, I don't know. I think the, the biggest thing is for me to compare them as, as both really good coaches. Um, you know, they both have uh, very good qualities uh, as coaches. And, and uh, the biggest thing I could say is that they both, you know, trusted me um, out there on the ice. And I was thankful for the opportunities that both of them gave me. Um, Pete playing for the Sharks and, and then the opportunity uh, with uh, Gerard to to give me the opportunity to play and represent my country, so it was uh you no, know, it was a cool experience. The world's um, obviously uh, a lot of success on our end, and um, that's uh, credit towards the whole group. And, and starts with uh, starts with Gerard at the leading us the way there. Awesome, and uh, moving on to some shark stuff. Uh, Tommy Hurdle uh, said that you reminded him of Jumbo. Uh, at least uh, how loud you are. Are you the loudest person in the Sharks locker room now? <laughs> I figured it was because of how loud I am rather than, uh, than my play on the ice for sure. But, uh, <laughs> One day. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, yeah, no, it's uh, – no, I love Jumbo. Um, you know, I miss him a ton. I, I talk to him a lot. He's uh, he's really one of my one of my best buds. And, um, you know, he – yeah, I'm, that's just who I am. I've always been a loud guy, and he was the one I could relate to because, you know, we're both pretty loud guys, so uh, it's easy to, to get along with him for sure. But, um, yeah, I guess that's a pretty cool comparison. <laughs> you know, you, you've got quite the reputation in the Sharks locker room. I, I had the privilege of interviewing Curtis Gabriel uh, in the middle of last season, and we asked him who was the funnest guy, <clears throat> excuse me, who the funnest guy was in the locker room. You know, and, and he instantly said, oh, you already know. It's Mario. Instantly. <laughs> and, and I quote him here when I say this. He called you the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to, you know, being chatty. And I'm assuming, obviously, there's no lies being told there, right? Curtis isn't feeding us anything. <laughs> no, he's cool. I love Gamer. He's, uh, yeah, I miss him, too. We uh, we uh, would uh, talk quite a bit in the locker room and and share some laughs for sure. You know, he's a funny guy and we got along pretty well, but uh, yeah, best of luck to him in Toronto. He was, uh, he was fun to play with. 
Yeah, he gave me a couple of really good stories about you. I kind of wanted to bring at least two of them up. The first one, you guys have had plenty of conversations. He got you into a conversation about like deep sea creatures. He told me about you. You just went on this crazy rant about you got gigantic squids and megalodons just fighting it down there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. About the, the most dangerous creatures in the in the in the ocean and stuff like that. There's a lot of wild stuff out there. We uh, some pretty weird, unique conversations, but I guess. Well, that's pretty related to uh, to sharks. You know, they're both in the ocean, so I guess yeah. I can talk <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, he also told us a little bit about your guys' locker room setup out there, how you guys were kind of broken up into groups due to COVID protocols. And uh, he told us that you, Gambrell, or Gambi as you call him, uh, Knizov and Donato were all kind of in an area. And... Mm -hmm. He also told us that you don't wear socks in your skates. So you, you hate new skates. So I, I'm not a big hockey player myself, so I don't understand the socks or no socks debate. Maybe you can enlighten me on that one. But <laughs> no, you hate I... new skates. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, he's, he's sharing everything about me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's Yeah, no socks in my skates. I've just been doing that for so long, and I got so used to it. Everybody's grossed out by it in the room. The trainers yeah, was... don't want to change my blades at all. <laughs> so uh, whoever's next to me as stallmates freaks out because my skates reek. I got to change them every couple months for sure, easily. But <laughs> yeah, yeah no, he that's... told me you don't like new skates, and everyone just calls you stinky because yeah. the fans blow the stink all around the room, <laughs> and you call pickles stinky. So I'm, I got to know, like, why do you call pickles stinky? <laughs> that's just the uh the locker room talk right there i don't know if i could i don't know if i could dig into that one. Oh no i don't know so if you're I telling me there was something wrong with the brine with, the... with that pickle <laughs> yeah that's pickles day for sure that's not mine i'm not stinky that's pickles <laughs> oh man does uh john leonard complain about your stink i mean i mean he missed not mine right because you guys are still roommates right <laughs> We've been roommates since college, so I think he's used to it by now. <laughs> John Leonard's years. gone so, nose blind. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're basically the loudest and stinkiest shark. <laughs> you could say that. It's not sound, that doesn't sound too good when you really put it into a sentence. But yeah, you're guess. also a gold medal winner, right? <laughs> That'll be yeah, the headline: loudest and stinkiest shark. Nice. <laughs> So I got to ask you, uh, you know, about Ozzy. You had a little date night with uh, Mr. Weisblatt recently. Did you guys, was that like a peak berry that you had going on there? It looked like a little fro-yo action. Either that or knowing you and your work ethic and your gym life, it was like a power bowl or something. It was an SIE bowl, yeah. I knew it. I called it. Oh, you called it, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Called it. yeah. Like, there's, there's no way. There's no way Mario is cheating. On his diet, you know that's a power bowl. That's an acai yeah. bowl. I can guarantee it. <laughs> it was. It was an acai bowl right before a nice movie, a little movie date with that guy. I love Ozzy, man. He's a great guy. Yeah, we. Uh, that was a fun night. Fun night for sure. You're going to make the ladies in, in Sharks Nation jealous you going on all of these movie and, and dinners with, with Ozzy like that, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the way it is. The way it goes. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, talk about a little on the ice stuff. Uh, what are you gonna be? What are you gonna surprise us with uh, this year? You know, are you gonna be debuting your hundred mile per hour Brent Burns slap shot? You know, what do you got going different this year? What have you worked on? Uh, I've just been, you know. <sighs> my goal for this year is to do what I can to help this team win. You know, it's about the team and uh, we have the same goal as it was last year and that's to make the playoffs and whatever, you know, obviously every year is different and things change, but whatever my role is in order to, to help this team win is what I want to bring to the table. Um, you know, I want to focus on what got me here, uh, which is playing hard, um, you know, being a hard worker, playing with energy and passion out there. Um, and uh, defending first, right? I want to defend my net first and, and have a quick transition game. So, uh, you know, the season will bring up different times, different areas where I may need to, you know, be more offensive or you know, get pucks to the net more um, or be more physical. Um, and whatever comes, whatever that uh, asks of me is is what I'll uh, hopefully be able to bring to the to the table for the Sharks. Oh, you're not going to catch Jumbo with that attitude. <laughs> well i'm also not jumbo so <laughs> so so are you going to be banging the the ice with your stick a little bit more to have burns pass it to you instead of vice versa no he still deserves the puck there he still deserves the puck so i gotta get that puck to him for sure <laughs> that's fair you you can't do that until you've gone from to forward and then back to defense, right? There's a requirement. <laughs> exactly, and until I've won a Norris Trophy and all that, so and that's played true. over ten years in the league, so yeah, that's there's fair, a that's long, fair. long way for that. <laughs> well, we'll be here every step of the way. Don't worry. <laughs> so, what's like the uh, what's the overall vibe? You know, going into this upcoming season, you talked about you know we want to hit the playoffs. That's benchmark number one. Like we're not going to settle for less. <clears throat> Is everyone? pretty much back in training in San Jose by now or you know how pissed off are the guys basically that most people in the NHL and you know even betting odds are just counting the Sharks out this year yeah I think that's fuel for our fire right there um I think that you know a lot of guys are back right now and we're definitely um not happy about last season you know we're, we're frustrated and um you know we want to make our fans proud uh we know that the fans are have been a little bit frustrated too uh which you know <laughs> holding us accountable, which is, you know, that's okay. Uh, because, you know, it show it pushes us to be better. And, uh, you know, you got to go through the ups and downs in order to, to uh, really make a climb. And I think that, you know, we're going to have a good year. Um, you know, it takes all 25 guys uh, and the coaching staff and the staff, um, trainers, everybody collectively that that's part of the Sharks organization, um, you know, to come together and have that positive attitude and, that willingness to to work for for the reward which is making the playoffs and then then we go from there so um you know it's a big year ahead that i look forward to how's it uh how's it gonna feel to have sharks fans in majority back at sap oh it's gonna feel great <laughs> it's gonna feel great it's ridiculous <laughs> uh the last last year you know i almost forgot how to you know what it feels like to to play in front of a crowd especially a crowd that you know, that's that's cheering for you it's 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 going to be special um and uh we can't wait to get back there i can't wait to get back there and um obviously one step at a time and go through main camp and then you know work our way there and Mario, i have to ask you this because you know while you're young you are truly considered a leader uh, among the sharks 
Uh, there have been uh, many stories about Vander Kane this summer. So I have to ask you, you know, did you watch the ESPN interview today? And what are your thoughts about Vander and everything swirling around him? Uh, I have not. Um, I've not watched the interview. Uh, no. Um, but, you know, Vander's my teammate. And, uh, you know, like all my teammates, I love him. He's part of a family here in the Sharks. And um, obviously... Uh, there's been a lot of stuff out in the media this summer, um, but that's a part of his personal life. And I think that, you know, with myself included, all of us, you know, we all have our personal lives and um, they deserve the privacy. And, um, you know, uh, like I said, Evander's my teammate and I love him and I look forward to, you know, battling for a playoff spot uh, alongside him this year with the Sharks. So it sounds like Evander Kane is welcome back in the Sharks locker room. Yeah, we're all his teammates. You know, he's a part of the team. Um, you know, that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, he's my teammate. He's part of the family. So, um, you know, until he's not a teammate anymore, or that, then, you know, that's the only thing that can, um, you know, disturb that. So as of right now, yeah, he is. Um, he's not only a teammate; he's a friend. And he's part of the family. So we welcome him. You know, moving on a little bit. Um... You helped turn around basically a couple of, uh, you know, I don't want to say down bad situations, but some down bad situations in over like UMass and Des Moines. Do you mm -hmm. see any similarities between those places and the Sharks as far as you coming in and helping turn around the culture and, you know, moving from a losing team, not in the playoffs, towards working towards uh, into the playoffs, into possible championship rounds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, there's always every you know, every team that, you know, maybe if, if they're on a downfall, they're not doing well, there's always an area that, you know, you can fix. There's always something that you can do a little bit better at. And collectively as a group with the teams that I've been on, um, it hasn't just been myself involved. It's been the, the 13 other freshmen that I was with at UMass and the new players that we had at Des Moines um, that we have to sort of figure out a way to to repair the group and and, and stay positive and, and have a winning mindset. And, uh, you know, I think that's the same thing that, that's going on here in, in San Jose. There's always uh, there's always room for improvement, no matter how good the team may be doing. And we're just looking to, to do our best to to improve the Sharks uh, where we can. Um, and it takes, like I said, all 25 guys and staff and coaches to work together to to assist in that. So, um, you know, it's just about determining what needs uh, what needs improvement and, and working our, our hardest to to get that improved. And Mario, I just wanted to thank you so much for your time. We just got a couple more uh, kind of random questions uh, left here. Uh, one thing I wanted to highlight uh, was your involvement with NHL Green. A couple weeks ago, you were talking about climate change with Patrice Bergeron, Mike Richter, uh, Andrew Ferentz, and EPA Administrator Michael Regan uh, on NHL.com. And just curious, how, how did you, a young guy like yourself you know, get involved in that uh, NHL Green initiative? And also, what is your interest in climate change? Yeah, uh, I was just reached out um, and given that opportunity. I was reached out to and given that opportunity. Um, I just think that, you know, it's something that I'm not very, um, I don't have a much, much knowledge about uh, climate change. And it's something that I feel like I need to uh, learn more about and become more familiar with. Um, so that, you know, I can help make a change uh, for the next generation uh, moving forward. Um, because obviously I was granted with, 
um, the privilege of being able to enjoy outdoor rinks and, and stuff like that. And I hope that, you know, we can sustain that as long as we can and, and do our best to, to give that to the next generation. So I just think it's something that, you know, actually that I don't know a lot about that I was, you know, that I'm willing to, to take the time to, to get more familiar with so we can spread the word a little bit. You know, Mario, it's, we're midway through September. Fall is finally approaching, which means October's right around the corner. I got to know, you got any exciting costumes planned with maybe John or Ozzy? Or... <laughs> I saw your guys' costumes before. I got to know. We got oh, a little I Huey, thought... Dewey, and Louie action going? What's going on there? I, was, I thought of one the other day, and I forget. It was with oh. Ozzy actually claimed the costume, and he said he was going to dress as him. I forget who it was. So right now I don't. But I'll surprise oh. you. Surprise You'll have you to let one. us know. You'll have to it's let me know. It's too early. Yeah, it's a little too early for that. Yeah. I mean, you always have uh, going as Pat Mahomes as your backup, right? And you can hope that he plays until he's 50, right? Like, like yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, that worked. that worked in year one, that's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally from me, uh, Mario, I know that you're a huge foodie. You know, I saw your most, uh, I think, recent Instagram post. You're at Tony's Pizza in uh, SF. So, big question here. What is the best Italian in the Bay Area? And you can't say when your mom comes and visits. <laughs> okay, the best Italian in the Bay Area. Hmm. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to go with the Palermo. La Palermo. It's right beside okay. Why? It's because it's right beside me. I can walk there. It's nice. It's outside. <laughs> nice little you know, outdoor seating. Nice lights. So I like it. That's my favorite. I do go to Maggiano's a lot, though, too. So it's kind of a tough toss-up. Okay. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> thanks again, Mario. Uh, you know, thanks for taking the time out to, uh, you know, just sit down and just, you know, chop it up with us about anything and everything. Before I let you go, I do have to tell you tomorrow's your birthday. So I got to tell you happy birthday. <laughs> welcome Thank to you. Welcome Thank to you. almost in your mid-20s. You know, I'm 27. Yeah. You're going to be 23. So, uh <laughs> This is what you have to look forward to. Congratulations. Well, maybe not for you. You know, you're a world-class athlete and I'm a dad. So <laughs> you <laughs> got any, uh, though too, so. <laughs> you got any big plans this weekend? Is John going to take you out for date night? I think that's what we're doing tomorrow. There I think so. I think Friday night, Friday night, little dinner, you know, not nothing too crazy. We got camp next week. So, but uh, hopefully a nice Italian meal tomorrow night. There you go. Carbo load up for that, for training camp. Get her started, ready. <laughs> exactly. You know, good luck this season. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, I will be asking you uh, off the record how Pickles got that nickname. So I won't, <laughs> you have you know, scouts on her. I won't tell anybody. I promise. Uh, <laughs> thanks funny. again, Mario. I appreciate you, bud. No, Thank you, Mario. Happy birthday. Thank you. See you guys. Big shout out and a huge thank you to Mario Ferraro for taking the time to sit down and just talk everything with us. And, and, and wow, Shang, what a guy. You know, I know your media. I know it's your job to be unbiased. You know, we talked about it already this episode. But I'm not. I'm a fan. So I'm going to take one second to just compliment Mario on just how stunning and outgoing of a guy that he is. And, and, and not just that, right? And I'm not talking about physical looks either. He's a stunning looking guy. I can't lie here. But to carry around that level of maturity and in, in just downright confidence and swagger as a 23-year-old, just turned 23-year-old, by the way, 
is just astonishing to me, honestly. It, if I had that level of confidence at 22 turning 23, who knows what I could have done. But, you know, <laughs> it just goes to show how well he's developed and just how he's taken his work ethic and his charisma and his character and he's just applied itself 100% and it's got him to where he is now and where he's going to be in five years. So I just wanted to, to bring that up at the end of this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, honestly loved it. Just absolutely loved it. Well, I take some offense to what you're saying there, man, because I guess you're basically saying that if you had his comments and swagger as a 22-year-old, you wouldn't be stuck here uh, with me. But, oh, well, you know, <laughs> happy happy to have you. So, <laughs> Oh, no. Cheng, if you knew me at 22, you would be like, okay, yeah, no, you, Nick, you're right. What is this? You're just a ball of mess. What, is, what are you doing? <laughs> Like but I wanted to close anxiety. up to. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, to close up. Um, I mentioned in the uh, in the interview uh, with uh, Mario uh, a Nate Schmidt story, and so I I just wanted to close with that. And I actually don't remember all of the details. And I buried the recording somewhere. Maybe Sharks fans, some Sharks fans, will be happy to know that uh, all the recordings of uh, when I. Was a Golden Knights reporter. I'm not really sure quite exactly where they are. <laughs> so anyway, so it's somewhere there. But uh, going back to it though, so the story is that uh, it was the Stanley Cup final after practice. If there's a a, a player uh, more gregarious than a Mario Ferraro, it's Nate Schmidt. And Nate Schmidt, as usual was holding court with all the reporters. And keep in mind, this was a cup final. Uh, we were in uh, Washington, uh, a road locker room. Uh, local and national reporters were there. I was known back then, uh, I may still be known for this now, for asking pretty detailed questions about things like four checks, breakouts, a little more hockey-specific than probably most hockey players are used to hearing uh, from the media. And, okay, so this is what might have happened. This is what I kind of think happened. I had to check the tape, so don't quote <laughs> me on this. But basically, roughly, uh, Nate might have been answering somebody else's question. And then he turned to me and said in a kidding way, that detailed enough, Shang? And anyway, I got a lot from everybody. I thought it was funny. Uh, but after, you know, after everybody left the scrum, you know, he, he took me inside. and He's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry for that. You know, that wasn't meant as a shot to you. And I, I didn't take it uh, that way at all because I, you know, we had a great relationship, uh, uh, Nate and I. You know, Nate was really great about stuff like that. You know, not all players are willing to get into tactical stuff. And he was always willing. You know, Nick, if you remember the 2018 playoffs, uh, Vegas-San Jose, the second round, uh, it was Nate who confirmed what I saw on tape. And what I saw on tape is that the Sharks love setting offense's own picks. You know, say Brent Burns is coming down the wall with the puck or going after the puck, then a Donskoy will come up the other way and he would pick to basically interfere with the Golden Knights player that was oh, yeah, chasing Burns. Oh, yeah, that was the Pete DeBoer special. The Pete Love that. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty common angel play, but it definitely the Sharks did it did it a lot. Um, Schmidt said that the Sharks did it, yeah, a little bit more than usual, you know, than, than other teams. Yeah. And so anyway, someone, uh, not me, I, I swear, uh, asked Pete <laughs> about the San Jose pick, uh, pick play in that series. And remember, you know, remembering Pete from the playoffs, uh, he got aggravated with that. So anyway, thank you for that, Nate. Good luck in Winnipeg. 
All right, folks. I mean, honestly, that's a uh, that's a great story from Nate. And now that he's not on Vegas, we can actually we can tell him good luck in Winnipeg. Like, <laughs> you know, I know things didn't work out in Vancouver. I believe he was in Vancouver, but uh, you know, good good luck to you in Winnipeg. And uh, it's always good to have guys that are full of at least a personality, especially with the media. And I'm sure you can agree with that, Shang. Cookie yep. cutter answers and questions don't seem to be your forte and it doesn't amuse you. You like to bring that extra like dash of smoky hot paprika to your interviews, I guess. <laughs> so uh no vanilla bland questions coming from you, Shang. They're all gonna be Well, sometimes you have to do it. But you know, uh, sometimes you gotta ask some 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 plain ones. But yeah. I do do the work uh, to you know research or whatever, so come up with some interesting different stuff. And I, some of the players appreciate that. Not not all of them do, but, but some of them do. <laughs> I I know Burns always he, he had like a post game interview one time where he asked you like I don't know Shane what are the numbers or something along those lines. <laughs> it's just it, it brings a little bit more uh, excitement to watching the post-game interviews or the people that like watching post-game interviews. And it's not the same garbage. So thanks for that. And and thanks for the story <laughs> about Nate. But um, I think it's fair to say that. I think that's going to pretty much do it for us today, right? Isn't that right, Shang? Yep. All right. I'm going to get you... Uh, I'm going to get you out of here. It's already 11 o'clock. We're finishing this puppy up. It's going to be released Friday. Uh, Shang's going to be working his little tushy off, like always. And remember, the rookie face-off is going on this weekend. It's actually starting today, if you're listening to this, Friday. So if you all want to tune in and watch the future of the franchise play, tickets and streaming information can be found at ArizonaCoyotes.com slash RookieFaceOff. Or if you want to listen, the games will also be broadcast live through the Sharks Audio Network. So make sure you're watching that. Make sure you're paying attention to what we told you to pay attention to. Not because we told you to, but because it's going to make it a little bit more exciting for you to be able to kind of check stuff. So uh, make sure you guys do that. Take care of yourselves. Until next time, this is Nick Floor signing off, asking you all, take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, stay safe, and stay hydrated.